right, here we go. Shut up and sit down. Think so. <laughs> Homie, don't play that. Yo, seven deuce deuce, what up, bro? Why are you always lagging? You're so slow. Dude, come on, I just want to ride, 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 ride. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Enjoy up, but be warned, may cause drowsiness. All I want to do is ride my bike, my whole ride. Since ancient times, people everywhere have been caught up in all kinds of trends and traditions. All I want to do is ride my bike my whole life. Never thought twice. One trend that I despise is the trend of stupidity. It's very stupid to act stupid when you're not stupid. So that must mean that everyone is stupid for acting stupid when they know they're smarter than that. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Fondering, and I'm here with Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking fantastic. Ooh. You do. You really do. <laughs> you really look good. Uh, all right. To Matt's right, coming to us over the iPhone network here, Mr. Lance Friggin' Hepler. Lance Friggin' Hepler, here I am, coming to you from the echo chamber in uh, Mesa, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona. Yay. How's the weather down there, Lance? Yep. It's cold. Okay, it's not. It's Arizona cold. So yeah. it was like 35 degrees this morning, and they're they're having they're having a cold snap here oh, in uh, in Arizona. So does it make you sad that as a snowbird that it's a little bit warmer here in the uh, Pacific Northwest than it is down there in uh, yeah. Arizona? Sunny, sunny and warm. <laughs> for it does it does make me sad. Although I will say this, um, I've done twenty hours on my bike this last week and not a single raindrop or wetness anywhere. So I didn't that, get any raindrops that, on me. Did you? Except for your crotch. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a soapy, silky, sloppy, <laughs> gross. Just kidding. Uh, sure, it's pristine. Uh, awesome. Uh, all right. Well, enough of the pleasantries. Uh, where's Evan at today? Um, I think he was just work. I'm not sure. Working, coaching, just work. He's a working fixing man. People. Someone's someone's got to work around here to make money for us. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, Lance, um, you're going to be going to a camp or something like that here pretty soon. Is that coming up? That's that's next week, right? That's next week. Yeah, it starts next Tuesday. Okay. Are you you going to call in? Are you going to call in from camp? If we if we record on Monday, um, I I I won't be at the camp yet. Oh, okay. So. So good. And the Mets going to Hawaii here pretty soon, so yes, I think it's like the sixth through the thirteenth of February, something like that. If you're in Maui, hit me up. There you go. Let me know what we could do. <laughs> uh, we might have to get a few podcasts put in the can for everybody. All right. Yeah, we well, pleasantries out of the way. Let's do. What you talking about, Willis? What you talking about? What you talking about, Mister? What you talking about, Doctor? What you talking about, Lady? What you talking about? What you talking about, Mister? What you talking about? Because we're, we're what you boys it up. talking about today? What What's the topic? About? We're talking about. <laughs> metric metric system versus imperial. Yes, we are. We're talking about the metric system. The metric system. 
talk about the metric system? Is that what you talk about today, Wells? Yeah, I guess metric versus the imperial system. And there's some questions here. And this is kind of like, I don't know, it, it's, yeah. it's appropriate to talk about in the cycling world. And I just wanted to give a little bit more of a, a history, a little bit of a background and what our thoughts are on it. And Maybe this podcast will influence yes. the cycling industry to go one way or the other. Almost everyone on the planet uses the metric system, but why has the United States held out? Well, there are a ton of reasons, both big and small. Or maybe the entire world. United the entire, States. Well, there you go. Maybe the entire world will switch to the imperial <laughs> system. All right. Well, um, you know, obviously, it seems like pretty much the world uses the metric system and then the US and a couple spotty other little places here and there yes. use the empirical system. The best way to think about this is there's countries that have been to the moon that use the imperial system and then there's everyone else. <laughs> there are two kinds of countries, those that use the metric system and those that landed on the moon. You know who led the design team for the Saturn V? This guy, listen to that deep Alabama accent. This weight dictates the amount of fuel and the numbers of motors. An American, through and through. Ignore this photo of him. Those are just some German friends he made while on gap year in Europe. This Alabama native used metric. In fact, he despised British units. So much so that he designed a rocket during his gap year to fly to England to show them how great the metric system was. The Saturn V was designed, like nearly everything in NASA at the time, with a mixture of both metric and imperial units. Just read the mission reports for Apollo 11 for proof of this. It switches between inches and centimeters constantly. It's a mess. Anyone working with this report would have had to be hyper aware of what unit of measurement they were using. It's really, that's really the only way to think of it. <laughs> and that's not exactly true, right? Because there's, I think, three total countries that are technically using the imperial system it's like one small there it's the united states and like two tiny countries and i can't even remember what their names are i yeah. feel a little guilty that i don't know who they are <laughs> america liberia and myanmar a prestigious trio like they don't they don't matter trees like kind of island countries it doesn't matter i don't know yeah they're nobodies <laughs> <laughs> they're nobodies so it's been 230 years yes. since the united states was almost going to be on the metric system almost maybe it was close there, maybe so close. <laughs> so the metric system was developed in France. Our saga begins during the French Revolution, the goal of which was to overthrow the French monarchy and bring about a more enlightened and rational society. That included replacing idiosyncratic traditional measurements with a decimal-based system. Mm -hmm. And the imperial system was developed in England, I think, who knows. Officially, the United States uses a system known as the US customary measures. It's adapted from the imperial system that we inherited from our British forefathers, and we've clung to their feet and ounces ever since. A lot of it's based on weird stuff, you know, like the foot is literally from someone's like foot. Mm -hmm. And there's other things too, like there's, um, like there's a measurement that's like, this is how much some piece of grain weighed and they just like rolled with that. And so it's like stuff that was very handy to people. Like you have this little item in your, in your pocket or your use your you know forearm or whatever, like all these little ways to measure. A foot is what it sounds like. An inch is about the width of an adult thumb. If you have a body, you can use these measures. Sure, stacking up 12 thumb widths to make a foot that's still kind of weird, but it's not so weird that we're clamoring to change it. Things. Yeah, and for all intents and purposes, practical. it works. 
Kind of. Kind of. I just think, me personally, one's a little bit more precise or a little bit more easy to, to grasp or it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. But I'm sure there are certain applications where the imperial system probably works a little bit better. The, I think the the easy, easy argument is like, you know, for it's for meters, you take from a meter to centimeters, it's like, okay, everything's going to be like 10-based, 100-based, yep. right? Yep. It's like millimeter, you know, centimeter, meter, kilometer, all of those is just like they're they're easy to calculate. Yeah. The metric system uses standard consistent prefixes based on powers of 10. So if you know your prefixes, you can measure a lot or a little of anything using one base unit. Whether you're doing sort of very precise measurements in chemistry or you're looking at astronomical differences, that's where metric is useful because you can just move, if you want to move the unit, you just, you know, move the decimal point. Do you ever find it hard to make those calculations in your head or do you have a way that you kind of try from, and from, cross things over? From meters to miles, is that yeah. what you're asking? Yeah. Uh, I have a bit of a running background and so everything is based on 5K or 10K or those base, yeah. and, those, and those numbers are nice and round and I can work with them. So if you mm -hmm. give me some sort of like weird you know, 36K or whatever, I'm like, okay, well, that is getting, you know, I can kind of try to figure out what it's close to. But the problem is, if you think about this, I'm translating it to miles mm -hmm. in my head, which you shouldn't, we shouldn't need to do. We should just be like, oh, no, it's 36 kilometers. Like, that's how yeah. far it is. The fact that we even translate it is the problem. Yeah. I can remember just starting out in the mountain bike racing world. Yeah. Everything was done in miles. They they really didn't, yep. like, especially where I was at, they didn't use anything in the metric system. So once I started to dip my toe into the waters of road mm -hmm. and training and, and riding, and you start to get more of the people, they start talking in units of metric measurements, and you're like, wait a second. And, like, not wanting to be, like, a standout or a total noob. You don't really say anything, and then you're back home, like, all right, I know that I need to start learning this. I need to start making some correlations. And it, right. it's, to this day, I can remember the time where I started to try and make a conscious effort as to how far, um, you know, a kilometer was with respect to a mile. And it's, a mile is about six-tenths. It's about six-tenths of mm -hmm. a mile to one kilometer. Point, point 0.62. And you, you kind of have to know these things in bike racing because when you get to the end of a race right. you're going to get like 3km to go 2km to go 1km to go 500 meters 200 meters and then right. the finish and if you if you overshoot that if you if you don't know exactly how far out 1k is and you right. can't hold it for 6 tenths of a mile that's not going to make any sense to you so i started training based on those measurements so that i could understand better like where i needed to be and what was going to happen and how much of an effort that i had to put into that in your mind when you see 3k to go do you translate it to mileage or do you just you're just like no 3k i still think 3k but i know roughly in the back of my yeah. head that you're it's like just like two miles it's yeah. just under two miles yeah yeah so that that's kind of that's how i equated that yeah. and those ones like when i think of 3k like I'll pay more attention to that when I'm in a time trial than I am in a road race. Well, what else do you think about in time trials? Nothing, just trying to tick off the, those damn cases. Just the pain. <laughs> how much pain you're in? Just pain. Just how much pain you're experiencing. And there's something to be said. Like, it feels like kilometers go by faster. It's a bigger number, but they True. feel like they go by a little bit faster. Yeah, so yeah. sometimes that's a little bit easier to chew on when you're out there in the suffer zone, in the pain cave, killing it. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's true. That's my two cents. Lance... How does your brain work? Now, no one and, knows. I, you know, and here's another question Everyone's too. Everyone's asking the same question. You How worked does Lance's in, brain work? You worked in dentistry for many, many, many years. What was the standard unit of measurement there? 
Ooh, good question. Um, it, 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 everything's in millimeters, so it's all metric. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the the size, like the size of teeth, or the length of certain things, you measured everything in millimeters, so it's all it's all kind of metric. Is the metric system the norm for all med- the, the entire medical industry? I think it is. Yeah. Metrication experts say the U.S. is situated along a metric spectrum, and we're more metric than we realize. Our food labels and pharmaceuticals, I guess for that matter, street drugs. Our drug dealers sell cocaine and grams, we're likely to continue this slow but steady creep towards full metric. But individuals in their daily lives didn't have a strong enough incentive for going to all the trouble. So they didn't. Yeah, I think medicines are milliliter probably for medications. Yes, or yeah, see, we have ounces, right? And they are milliliters. Yeah, so... I mean, all, all our labeling here in the U.S. is all in ounces. Another bill in 1992 required businesses to use metric for consumer goods, too. Ever wonder why your soda can lists both ounces and milliliters? I, you know, as far as, like, bike racing goes, I always think in terms of, you know, 100 kilometers, 100K is about 62 miles. Mm-hmm. So 10K is about 6.2 miles. So I'm always... Dividing things by 6.2 or crunching numbers to figure out kind of where it's at. It, it really is. It's, it's dumb. We should be metric. Pro tip. Use the metric system. Why don't you use the metric system, man? So annoying. Metric, please. Just use the f***ing metric system, for God's sake. Uh, We're all resisting it because we've grown up with it this way, and it's kind of silly. As soon as we completely changed, or if we would change to metric, we'd be used to it in a few months and it'd be done with. Don't hold your breath for metric uprising in America. Almost every nation on earth has fallen under the yoke of tyranny, the metric system. But wrong. We're not going to be used to it in a way. few months, Lance. Okay. <laughs> you you think Lance thinks you should be metric. Jake, you think we should be on metric? Oh, 100% metric. I, yeah. I, I may or may not agree, but for the podcast, you bet your sweet ass <laughs> I'm going to be disagreeing with you guys. <laughs> and and Alex, and I'll tell you why. Lance, how about your kids? What are they? Have you, are they like, would you say that you're more into metric than they are or the other way around? No, I'm way more into metric okay. than they are. Be, just Jake, same question I'm for more you. world traveled. Yeah. My kids are 100% still the empirical system, and that's just okay. because of school. I mean, same they, with mine. Yeah. So if anything, our schools generations are. below us are going the wrong direction. Yeah. We're not making a dent in this, like, let's move to the metric system. Indoctrination as much as I, for as much as I wish yeah. I had taught my kids, like, you know, you know, every time I describe something, I should always describe it in metric. That's a great aspiration. Hasn't happened. And my kids are like, well, what's that in miles? You know, like they don't, you know, they, my kids know what like 5k is or whatever because of running or whatever, but they still don't like describe it as a 5k. They'll say, you know, three miles or whatever. So, yeah. And with swimming, you'd think that they're all my kids do swimming, you know, a side note, but like, you'd think that they would be a little bit into meters have some concepts of meters versus yards yeah i mean there's just so many things that make more sense about it. when you get into yep. like measurement of temperature so freezing it makes sense to say zero, zero. instead yeah. of 32 and it makes sense for boiling to be 100 instead of 212 degrees fahrenheit u.s measures are dumb but they make sense when they when they actually figured like when they decided on like the meter they took they did some calculations on the planet, which is I'm not I'm probably going to screw this up. So any sort of history buffs will come in and correct us on the podcast in the comments. But they did this measurement of the planet and they basically said, like, well, let's divide 
you know, from here to the North Pole, and they could figure that out with using stars and some math. And they figured that it would be uh, a quarter of the planet, I think is like 10, they wanted it to be 10,000 meters or whatever. And so they, they just kept dividing it up to figure out what a meter would be. And so the loop around the whole planet is supposed to be like 40,000 kilometers or something like that. I should double check all of this stuff. But that's how they figured out like what a meter would be. It's based on the size of our planet. Mm -hmm. Which is a great, that's a great number. A foot, for example, is more relatable than a meter, which was originally defined as one ten millionth the distance from the equator to the North Pole. Although they made a mistake. And so if you look at the circumference of the Earth or whatever, it's just off of that. And they quickly figured out that they had made this like tiny math error. And the problem was is that the metric, the meter was getting you know popular as a measurement tool and it was getting popular and they couldn't quite change it in time. Oh no. So it's something slightly off. Did we get into why we're not using the metric system? Do we talk about that yet in terms of? No. Okay. So in 1793, let me check my notes here. Um, Thomas Jefferson was very keen on switching the U.S. over to the metric system. Thomas Jefferson was Secretary of State and Enlightenment sympathetic George Washington was the president. Jefferson championed a decimal-based system of weights and measures and was hoping to convert the U.S. to just such a system. In 1793, France sent botanist and aristocrat Joseph Dombey with a meter-long rod and a one-kilogram copper cylinder to demonstrate the system for Jefferson in the US. But his ship was blown off course by a storm. He was captured by British privateers who looted his stuff and tossed him in prison where he died. And then once it did finally make its way here because right. it happened down the road. Congress wasn't ready to act on metric just yet. It wasn't clear if the metric system would even survive in France thanks to political upheavals and fallout from Napoleon's rise and fall. And besides our main trading partner, Great Britain, still used inches and pounds. Yeah, it was like, I, th I, I could be wrong if this is like supposed to be delivered to the Secretary of State or something, and then by the time that it had gotten delivered there, that position had been moved on or whatever. I just looked up the Earth's circumference, 40,000 <laughs> kilometers. Uh -huh. So it's, it's actually slightly off. Okay, yeah, like, so 75, see, kilometers. 75, yeah. 75 kilometers off of their the measurement that they were supposed to do correctly. But anyway, that, that whole bit about pirates, it's uh -huh. like, oh, well, we're not on the metric system because of pirates. It's pretty funny yeah it's kind of funny and it, it could have also been like i think there's some unpopularity with france at the time where the meter was developed mm -hmm. so who knows but england switched over and they're not usually super keen on the french and they were the ones that developed the imperial system by the mid-1900s the metric system really took off as the world's economies became more globalized the UK metricated in 1965 so that they could do more trade with the European common market. The United States was part of this general trend towards metric. In 1971, Congress published a report not so subtly titled A Metric America, A Decision Whose Time Has Come, which recommended the US go metric within the next 10 years. But by the time the Metric Conversion Act of 1975 hit President Gerald Ford's desk, it was a toothless bill that said metrication was encouraged, but voluntary. I would say, depending on who you talk to in England, they'll still have some crazy weird measurements, right? Like a, like a, a stone or a something. Stone. Yeah. Like what is that? Something like thirty pounds or something like that. I, or, I, I don't know. I, I don't know either. How <laughs> many? Look they, that up. I feel like the whenever you're talking to someone from England, they're like, "Well, how many stones? How many stones do you weigh?" I'm like, "I don't know." That's great. Good question. One. One stone. <laughs> uh, I'm one stone. So what do you think is 
holding back the United States from making that switch? Do you think it's like the the apprehension of telling people that, no, you're not going to use this form of measurement anymore? Or is it financially driven? What do you think it is? Lance thinks it would take two months to transition over. I think it would take two generations. Two I th- generations? I think huh? it would take two generations. I think our kid, like our kids are not going to switch over easily. And then it's like maybe their grandkids would be like, yeah, sure, no problem. We like think in meters. We think in kilometers. But I think it's just... I think it's going to take a long time. The U.S. is one big measurement gray area. We haven't officially switched to metric, but we haven't shunned it either. It's a compromise between science and industry, which benefit from metric, citizens who feel no reason to change, kilograms, and a government that's trying to keep everyone happy. As you know, the U.S. is already metric, essentially. It just has this facade of uh, of measures. The thing to do is just to wait for that facade to slowly crumble away, and that will happen with time. A stone, 14 okay. pounds. 14 pounds? Yeah. Okay. So um, it's important for me to know. Or 6.35 kilograms for those of our friends listening in the metric system. <laughs> Going back to it, I've read a couple different things because I was kind of curious about that sure. as well. And I think that there would be an adoption, but it would it, it, it's going to take at least a full generation of kids. I think that you got your people now, probably your millennials, your, your, uh, um, you Gen Xers, I, the, the the baby boomers are kind of out of the question here because you know yeah they're never going to change <laughs> they're yep. never going to change. I think your Gen Xers would be open to the idea. There might be some apprehension there. I think millennials and your Gen Zs would be definitely open to the idea of a, a new measurement. And it just needs to start now though because if it doesn't, it's going to be a whole another generation of kids that are yep. you know taught and indoctrinated with this whole uh, imperial system. And I think that they're going to stick with that as well. The things that I've read though that are a big reason why we're still using. It, it is the um, the cost that would go into it. In 1875, the United States was one of 17 signatories to the Treaty of the Meter. We might have signed the treaty, but there was no way we were switching to metric. This came right after America's massive industrial buildup and westward expansion. We'd just built a lot of infrastructure. Powerful industrialists blocked attempts at metricating. They argued that the cost of replacing all of their equipment would be prohibitively expensive, and if they were forced to convert, it would damage American industry. Um, billions of dollars. You know, if right. you think about it, like every single sign that has any kind of Mileage. Mileage on it's going to need to be changed. There's one sign in the United States, and I can't remember where it is. It might even be in Arizona or somewhere. Congress passed a law, the 1975 Metric Conversion Act, which led to the United States Metric Board that would educate people about the system. This created the only metric highway sign in the U.S., the Interstate 19 connecting Arizona to Mexico. But it didn't go much further than that. Unlike the U.K., Canada, or Australia, the law made the switch voluntarily instead of mandatory. And of course, people resisted the change and the metric board couldn't enforce the conversion. So President Reagan ended up disbanding the board in 1982. Obviously, it's a, an official sign. Are they just yeah. trying to be funny? Or is, there, like, no, is it near like a town of like a lot of people? I don't remember the story behind it. I'll look up the, the story behind it. Like that. So it, it, a good example is a, of a country that switched not too terribly long ago, kind of in our generation would be Canada, correct? Did they? I believe that they switched in, well, maybe it was just before you were the born. The only metric highway in the United States. W- where's that? Highway 19. I'm, I'm looking it up. Huh. It would be Canada, and I think that they switched, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in like the mid to late 70s, and it took them a bit of time to get everything fully converted over, um, and there was sure. quite a bit of a cost that came along with that, but now they're fully 
for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, they're fully metric. There was a metric conversion act of 1975 by President Ford. How do you guys think that turned out? <laughs> uh, not good. Um, a stretch of highway in Tucson, Arizona. I don't know anyone that's close to Tucson or heading to Tucson. Do you, Lance, you know anyone? You I'll can... have to check it out. It's. F- I've actually been here before from Arizona to Nogales near the Mexican border. And yeah, we need Lance to go down there and take a picture and post that on Instagram. I have headed that direction because Tombstone, the town Tombstone yeah. is down there, like yeah. south of of Tucson. And so I have been down to Tuc- Tombstone before and I must have driven on the highway that had metric. I bet you did. I bet you did. Yeah, I've been to that border town. It's Yeah, I went there. We just went, went over the border and did some shopping. It was fun. Gotcha. How would it change your guys' day-to-day? I mean, would it make life any easier for you changing? Is there a, a pro to this? I mean, we already kind of work in this realm quite a bit in the cycling stuff that we're doing, yeah. and that's why I like it over Imperial because it's a lot easier of a unit of measurement, in my opinion, to work with and to, to think about and rationalize. But I, I still think that there's a lot of... I don't think it would change my day-to-day. No. I mean, I don't think so. No. I, well, for the coding that you do, obviously there's not going to be anything that's going to happen there. But, um, right. you know, like cooking or driving or your training, does it change anything? Does it make life any easier or more simple for you? I don't think so. And that's the question that I've asked myself before. I was like, you know, one person's not going to make this happen. But I'm thinking to myself, like, well, if we were to switch from imperial to metric is it going to make my life any better or different it might make it a little bit easier for the right. stuff that i'm doing in the cycling world but for yeah. the for all intents and purposes it's almost already all there the rest of my life i it doesn't really make that much of a difference it, it only it only would make a difference if you traveled and you were mm-hmm. in different places that had the metric system you wouldn't be quite so lost correct but even when you do travel you kind of figure things out fairly quickly you mm-hmm. just you just kind of adjust to it, you know. I don't know that it would. I don't know that it would really change your life or make things easier. No, you'd have to like buy all new measuring devices in your house, you know, for cooking and measuring and a lot of them. It would have, everything would change. Your, yeah, a your, lot of them uh, will have both, right? Because uh, speedometers. Yeah. So yeah, all the I bet a lot of our car speedometers have both. They do speedometers. Yeah, it has the imperial on the outside and the yeah. metric on the inside of your speedometer. Usually, if you're looking at it the, from the, the needle that goes from left to right. Yeah, someday, someday our you know great grandkids will look at that stuff and be like, "Oh, amazing! Look at that! It shows in miles an hour. How retro!" I just think it's funny <laughs> though to think that there are so many things in this world that can change on a dime, and then in a moment's notice, where this is now that, or things are mm. you know moving along at like an exponential pace right now in terms of like technology and development. It feels like they could do the same, make it a little bit more uniform. And I think the, to make the world a little bit closer by using all of the same unit of measurement, I know this isn't going to be earth changing mm-hmm. or anything like that, but May I mean, let me ask you a question. What's what you've got a computer in front of you. What size yeah. is this computer? 16 inch. Oh yeah, exactly. How many millimeters? Have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I just think right now we're, we're in the thick of it. It would be, I, I, well, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, even though it's more fun to argue with you guys. It's just going to be a big project, okay, so an expensive if, project. If this is a 16-inch computer, yeah. what size is it if you go over to Europe? Do they call it a 16-inch over there as well because it's an American, an American company, company and that's what their their number is? Or do they... I, 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 I don't know. I mean, they have that's different keyboards. Question. I know that when we had an exchange student, Maria, here, 
She oh. specifically, when she was here, she wanted to purchase a computer because they were a lot less expensive yeah. than over there. And then she had to order one that had a Spanish keyboard, keyboard. on it because it had the, the tilde key over yes. like the Enya and whatnot. So, right, exactly. Um, I thought that was interesting, but that still came in as a, I think it was a 13-inch MacBook Air. They didn't mm-hmm. call it a metric right. system, but obviously they've got uh, computers that are customized based on what area of the world that you live in. I'm just curious, do they market them as a different number? Maybe pull up the Apple website and see what they say if you if switch you over to like you know, VPN somewhere else and, yeah. then, and look at it. I have a feeling that it, they probably say 16-inch or something. You think you know? so? I don't know. I don't know. I, like the bike world there are still quite a few things that are both. So more specifically, yeah. mountain biking, you still see a lot of imperial yeah. measurements in there, like frame sizes and wheels. That's weird. That headsets. Why, why is mountain biking and not... Uh, probably, road biking is more European and, and mountain bikes are more American. More pioneered here yeah, in the United States. So the yeah. mountain biking was probably... It was born here. So you probably have a lot of those standardized measurements, but they're still using a lot of products that kind of cross over be- between the two. When we talk about like headsets, they typically are measured or like a steer tube is measured in the metrics or the imperial system, not mm. the metric system, but everything else on a road bike is going to be pretty much metric. the metric. So it's so odd that they would mix and match. Yeah. It, it can get pretty confusing for oh, folks yeah. too. So I don't know. But like, uh, like, like in mountain bikes, you have a, you have a 29 or mountain bike that yep. has 29 inch wheels. Uh-huh. I mean, they didn't call it a 700 mountain bike with, you know, they very well could millimeter. Have, yeah. They could have, they could have. Yeah. They measure the same. Correct. It's close, yeah, they know. do. Yeah. What's the, what do they call mountain bike? Like 29 or mountain bikes in Europe Do they, would they say like, this is a 29 er think so it's a great question really? i'm pretty I think sure it's just God. i think it's just a 29er yeah well That's and weird. they've also got the uh the 27.5 wheel standard too that they tried to push the 650b mm-hmm. you only see the 650b it seems like in the gravel and the road bikes um and then the 20 the the mountain bike community is still calling it a 27.5 and those are in essence kind of the same measurement why mountain bike community why <laughs> we need to know someone's like screw that metric system <laughs> Someone, someone's probably cranky about it. <laughs> so, because it was born, it wasn't born in Marin County, I believe, in near San Francisco. So, you know, those yep. greasy Americans had to put their own stamp on it. Do you guys have any pros or cons of the imperial system? Um, pros are, I think the, I think the only <laughs> pro is that it's what we know. Feet announces might be clunky, but the U.S. and the U.K. haven't ditched them because they just work. Like that's I, what it feels like to me. Like that's the pro. I tend to agree with you on that. It's just that's what you were taught, and that's how your brain is wired. And not to say that you can't rewire it and learn. I mean, this would be an extreme stretch, but maybe it's easier to be like, oh, count off 10 feet by like just walking it. I don't know. That's a stretch because it's not going to be right, but it's close. I mean, if you think about like all the medical world and the sciences and whatnot, Mm -hmm. they all use the metric system. So that is more of a precise measuring measuring tool. According to the CDC, about three to 4,000 kids are brought to the ER due to unintentional medication overdose every year. And conversion errors for dosage are to blame. Yeah, they should. Now, um, my uncle works with NASA projects. He's not like on NASA, but he, he actually works at the University of Arizona. Uh, but he works on these NASA projects like satellites and um, all kinds of different things. Like uh, he's working on this project right now where they are going to, they're testing this project for drilling into the uh, moon of 
one of the moons of Europa, I think is one of the moons of Jupiter. And anyway, so they wanted to like drill down and they were testing this product and they do everything in metric, right? He was also on this project a couple of years ago that was going to Mars. And one of the engineers calculated stuff in Imperial, one uh-huh. of them in metric, and it ended up crashing the entire system into the planet of Mars just because of this poor calculation. Millions of dollars were lost. Oh, no. And again, all comes back to mixing and matching Imperial and metric. Living half in one world and half in the other has been costing us. Perhaps most infamously, there's the time that NASA crashed an orbiter into Mars. The Mars Climate Orbiter reported its thruster firings in metric newtons, while ground control systems used pounds, resulting in a navigation error enough to send the $125 million orbiter crashing through the Martian atmosphere. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was one of the projects he was on. He was not the engineer that Oopsie. did that. But he was <laughs> he was on I don't know. I can't remember exactly what system he was on. We actually went and we watched the launch of that. We went to Cape Canaveral, like as a family sure. in Florida and watched the launch of that. It was really cool. Yeah. Has trying to like kind of calculate in your head yeah. ever screwed you guys up in any way, shape, or form? I can't think of any time where I've messed it up and it's caused any sort of destruction of an entire NASA satellite system Yeah, in my history. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I think it would be like if you were in Europe or something and you're trying to calculate something, like I, I'm sure there's some issues there that way, but I don't know. When I was there, I mean, I did everything like with Google Maps, so it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, my Google Maps is set to Im- the Imperial system, and so it just told me how long in miles, you know, or you know, I it would take to get there. Even though I'm following signs on the highway, but I had Google Maps up. It made me. It makes it dummy proof, you know. Did it say so, like turn coming up in half a mile? And you're like, no problem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. It didn't say, you know, 1K or, or 900 meters. Hmm. Has it ever been a situation working on bikes that it's been a problem for you using the metric system? Or do you feel like that actually helps you? I know that this is kind of like a, a weird arbitrary question and, and slash topic that we're, we're working on right here. But I just, I don't know, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And I was hoping that you guys could like sway me to think back the other way. And you're just pulling me more towards the... You know what's annoying? <laughs> what? Um... So Alan wrenches her in like metric or imperial, mm-hmm. and I just like look at him. I'm like, I can't. I don't know. Like, I can't look at it and be like, this is unless you like look at the little numbers on there. Like, I can't just like look at it and tell the difference. Yeah. And, like if you're especially if you're grabbing like a set of them, uh-huh. you know. And I kind of just have a whole bunch of them floating around the house, and so I'm always like, is this gonna work? And I put it on, like I put it in there to see if it's gonna work or okay. not. And like half the time I'm like, oh, this is just barely off, and it's because it's the difference between imperial and okay, metric. So that's if, just a stupid if problem. If I have, I've gotten rid of all of my imperial Allen wrenches okay. that were loose. I only have one that I can think of, and it's on a, a, a self-contained um, device where it doesn't come off, and that thing is colored yellow. Mm. And then I have the same one in gray that's going to be the metric system. But all of my loose uh, Allen wrenches are all going to be metric, and I can definitely look at those and. and Nine times out of ten, tell. tell you exactly which size it is from yeah. a distance, just yeah. because I well, work with them so often. That's what you do all the time. Yeah. yeah, mine are just. Remember, I told you my house is always a mess. It's just like stuff like Allen wrenches <laughs> floating around the yeah. house. There it would you drive go. you crazy. <laughs> it would drive you crazy. Yeah, sure. it, it does. Kind of sucks though, because like for the cycling world, I've bought a ton of tools. There are a mm. ton of tools, and they're all just about all geared around the metric system. 
But then you start getting into some projects if you're working on an American car or if you're working around your house or whatnot, and all of a sudden they switch over to the empirical system, and you're like, well, that kind of sucks. Now I have to go buy more tools that are very close to the same, almost going to work. But you, you, you try them, and sometimes it's just a hair too big. You're like, well, can I get that off without stripping it? Maybe try yeah, it. We'll but do it. Just it, try it. <laughs> I feel like this is just a simple case of the United States as a whole being a little bit arrogant and stubborn about the whole switch. And I, I think... I can't think of a, a, an honest to goodness good reason why we need to stay. The British imperial system, like everything British, is based on antiquated units of measurement. Like measuring your country's importance by counting the number of countries you have invaded and pillaged. A measurement that made sense 100 years ago, but it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I get it. People are going to have a hard time with change. Yeah. And it's not going to be something they're going to want to do right away. And then there's going to be a cost that goes with that. But hey, it, it is in crazy. A, isn't in a it? day and age where we're looking for reasons to give people jobs and, and to kind of, to, you know, get the economy churning and burning and whatnot, there would be a lot of things that would have to be purchased again. And for some people, that might be a hassle because yeah. all of a sudden you've got to, you know, if you're get new measuring shop. cups or something like that. If or if you're a tool shop, shop right? yeah. Like that could be huge. Yeah. That could be a a huge expense for you. But I'm sure there's, those are few and far between, so I'm sure that there could I be some know. sort of an assistance program or something along those lines. I mean, I mean for for like the basics, like road signage and stuff, yeah. like that could be part of an infrastructure bill. And I always think that those are, and, and this is just my opinion, I always feel like infrastructure is such a good thing to invest in. Sure. Like that's, that's where more, like if you want to sell me on more taxes, like sell me on infrastructure. Structure, yeah. Not, you know, other crazy expenses that, you know, $5,000 hammers or whatever that the government's buying. But like the infrastructure, I feel like that would be fantastic. The metric system standardized everything and made commerce, trade and collecting taxes easier. And I get it. And I, I quite enjoy using the system because I think it's just easier to kind of comprehend. It just makes more sense. It's a little bit more mm -hmm. logical. Besides the fact that the majority of the world uses it, the metric system makes conversions a lot easier. I wonder if they could do it like federal government is going to do everything metric and then like any state by state could choose what they want to do, right? Because you've got like state highways and state sure. roads and things like that. And then just just let it take two generations because it's going to take that long to switch over. Just let it oh, take the time. Two generations is not going to matter because all the cars are going to be driving themselves. And uh, I hope so. Maybe they'll be, maybe they'll <laughs> be careful of cyclists. Won't, won't need any signs out there at all. They just push a button and you get there. Via the Jetsons, you know, you're going to be there flying. So flying cars coming soon. Can you think of a single pro other than you get to keep a few bucks in your pocket because you don't have to, a single pro of like staying with the, the Imperial system? Uh, I think, you know, the that's the big one, right? Where it's like you're, because we've done it for a long time, all the products that are made that way, keeping up with that tooling. Uh, that, I mean, that's a lot of companies. It's a lot of tools. It's a lot of you know, industries that are based on a specific metric and changing that would be expensive. The most American of American businesses saw the economic benefits of switching. DuPont, Caterpillar, Ford, IBM, GM, John Deere, and Xerox were all on their way to metric before the Metric Conversion Act of 1975. The process was easier, cost less, and saved more than the companies estimated. Before metrication, GM had over 900 fan belts of various sizes in their supply chain. After metrication, they only needed 100 sizes. 
and that reduced the cost of warehousing all their parts. Not only did they recoup their conversion costs, they realized a profit. Caterpillar said their switch to metrics saved them millions of dollars. All of these companies managed the changeover by starting with new product designs. Designers and engineers made the switch first, then people on the manufacturing floor, then the sales and field technicians. They used incremental training programs that GM summed up like this. Teach only those who need to know, only what they need to know, and only when they need to know it. And that's the approach companies have taken with consumers. The stuff we buy from multinational companies is designed and produced to metric specifications from your toothpaste to your car, even if it ends up with US customary units on the label. So cost would be a huge one. Um, yeah, and I, I do think that for a long period of time, you're going to have people just trying to translate it in their head mm -hmm. or even, you know, just that constant work that would be needed for that. Why do I need to remember all these numbers? Because Imperial is a convoluted mess of measurement units invented by people who married their cousins. That's why. And, and that's going to take a long time. And then to have that pass votes wise, wow, our current, you know, political system the way it is, I don't, I don't know if that would ever get passed. What do you mean? They, they, they get along fantastically well. They communicate it's, well. They share ideas. <laughs> I almost feel like whoever proposes it, the other one would just be like, nope, we're against it because the other you know party proposed it. Like no matter what it yep. is, becomes polarized and partisan for no, for and, no reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for no reason exactly. Uh, we we need some. We need some adults to, to step up into politics, I yeah. think, at some point in time. But let's not go there. Let's digress here. I just think that it would be, I think it would be a win. I think that ultimately it would help people better understand things and, and maybe be a little bit more precise. And I think there would be more precision in general if we were to get everybody on the same page. How many millimeters are there in a meter? It's in the name. Milli, 1,000. Now, how many meters are there in a kilometer? Once again, it's in the damn name. Kilo, 1,000. Given a measurement in kilometers but want meters, just shift the decimal place over three places. No calculation needed. There is no room for error. It's a simply better system. I think the world becoming a smaller and smaller place day by day and more things happening and more collaborative efforts, mm. hopefully, um, I think that that would change that. I don't think it's going to make me a faster cyclist. I don't think it's no. going to make me a better cyclist. It's it's already there for working on bikes. So I mean, I don't have anything really to complain. It's not like we have to convert all of our parts when they when we get them from you know imperial you know bolts to metric nuts and bolts. Right. That part doesn't really change much. Um, I don't know. Just like I said, with the tools, it kind of sucks that you can't use the stuff that you have for bikes on everything because you yep. know it doesn't work that way. But so maybe the problem of a lot of these tooling things, right? Especially in the little, our small little niche of the bike industry, maybe those problems are more problematic having both systems in place than, you know, actually just pulling the trigger and switching. Can you think of an industry other than the medical industry or medical devices that uses the metric system more than the cycling industry um, worldwide? I mean, because even here in the United States, Every shop's got metric tools. Everybody understands the metric system pretty well because of the um, the way that the bikes are made and then the, the racing that they're probably watching. Like if we're watching the Tour de France, they almost never are talking about things in miles per hour or miles or things of that nature. Or the, the rider's weights, if they're ever talking about that, they don't get into that in, in pounds. They're usually talking about kilograms and watts per kilogram. I mean, I'm, I would guess that there's tons and tons of examples of 
things other than cycling. Can you think of anything? Oh, I mean, like Formula One racing. I mean, like anything that's not necessarily American centric would have would probably be on metric. Okay, so if we went and tore apart one of those Formula One cars, do you think that that's going to be by and large part all I, metric, like I'm, a, a like I'm, a nice road bike? I have zero experience with that, but <laughs> I would assume, yeah, that any of those would be driven by metric. Don't you think? I don't know. I I have no idea. I imagine that a large amount of cars are. I'd I'd have to disagree with that. I'd say like a NASCAR is probably going to be more imperial as oh, versus maybe yeah. yeah. Working on cars here, working on all American Dodge Rams and Chevys and Fords. Guess what? Our American cars, uh, well, they're all metric sizes. If you want to grab a tool and work on it, most of the car is metric for sure. NASCAR potentially would be you know more American centric. Yeah, but I was just thinking like general car industry. Like I wonder. Like we have make we make a lot of cars here. Yeah, there's a lot of cars made everywhere. So yeah, who knows? And there are <laughs> with different cars. I know that I had a truck. I had a Ford truck for mm -hmm. a while. There were parts and pieces on there that were done with both metric and imperial. Which that's confusing. Yeah, it, it just kind of sucks because yeah. like, well, what's going on here, folks? So let's. What let's about you guys? You guys have the big vans. Are those those are German? Yeah, metric. Okay. So everything's metric. Yeah, I, I right. believe so. Is yours? Yeah, Lance. Yeah, everything's metric. Gotcha. Like all the, yeah, all the bolts and tools, they're all metric. Yeah. And we've got bikes from Switzerland, mm -hmm. BMCs. And, you know, Lance has got a, a mountain bike that's got to have, it's going to have a lot of imperial measurements on it. Then he's got a road bike that's going to have a lot of metric measurements on it. I, that, that's the conundrum right there. Is like, the, the BMC mountain bikes are uh -huh. imperial. Well, if you're talking or about wheel size or wheel size, headsets yeah. or um, frame size. What like, about the bolts themselves? They're going to be done in metric. Okay. So they're all. That's done, what I would think. Yeah. But the the sizing in. The sizing. Usually, like when they're measuring parts and pieces on the bike, like the like the frame size. They give it in. And the wheel size and, is done in imperial inches, and like I said, the the steer tube or the um the the headset measurements are going to be imperial, but just about crazy. everything else is going to be metric. So, I, that that part just doesn't that doesn't make sense. It's yeah. like why are we using two different units of measurement? So. Yeah, that's super odd. Oh. Is there a point to this whole conversation? <laughs> Other than You're, this is something we want to talk about. The, the listeners, I, I bet you are probably like, why are we talking? But we need to really hammer home why metric units are the superior units. Even within Imperial, you have to constantly convert your units. Ounces to pounds, pounds to Imperial tons, which for some reason differs from a metric ton by 1.6%. Again, in metric, there are 1,000 grams in a kilogram and 1,000 kilograms in a ton. In Imperial, there are 16 ounces in a pound and 2,240 pounds in an Imperial ton. Why? You aren't even following the same conversion conventions as your other units. This is insanely cumbersome. The chances of conversion errors even within your own damn system is high. Never mind having to convert to metric. <laughs> but it's a, it's an interesting topic because it's what what did we say it's exactly 230 years since our yeah since since we lost the opportunity to switch to metric yeah I just I, I honestly think that it comes back to again stubbornness and just just this willing unwillingness to uh, adapt to what the rest of the world is and there's a certain arrogance that comes along with that and you know that that kind of does describe a lot of the the American mindset. Americans can't be bothered to switch. Adopting the metric system is something that a majority of Americans would have to get behind. There'd need to be a popular movement. 
goes into things like you talked about, like politics is like, all right, well, wh- why are we so polarized on this? Why can't it be something where like, you know what, let's take a look at this thing rationally and logically and what, which one makes more sense? Let's do that. Today, the metric movement in the US is still creeping along. For what it's worth, we might actually be in the middle of a much sneakier metric takeover. The US may not be officially metric, but meters and kilograms have found their niches. First, US scientists do not mess around with US measures. And last but not least, imperial units are now technically based on metric definitions. An inch is defined as 25.4 millimeters, and a pound is 0.4535923 kilograms. Metric really is everywhere. Yeah, so that would be nice if we could do that with more things. It's like, what makes sense? Not because it's we don't want to do what the other side is not doing or not do it because that's what the other side wants, but you know, let's take a look at this globally and figure out like what's in everybody's best interest. And I think it is. I think it's in everybody's best interest if we make that switch. We'll see. Could happen. It'll be interesting to see if this happens in our lifetime. What say you, Lance? Is this going to happen in your lifetime? I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's it's too expensive to switch for the U.S., and I don't think it will pass with, with our bipartisan system. So well, yeah. I don't think so. Now, with the... Uh... <laughs> I wonder, Brandy, what do you think? Do you Hi, think, Brandy Hepler. Can, she can't hear. She can't hear. No. Ask, ask her what she thinks. She can, she, we can hear her. What's say her? She gets be to be the final Brandy? judge and jury right here. Should we be, uh, should we be on the metric, the metric system, system or the imperial system in the U.S.? It's a very interesting question. And what do you think? Give us, we want an answer. She doesn't Don't care. care. She, that's, good, that's right. Honestly, metrics are hard for some of us. Yeah, yeah she says sure. metrics are hard. Measurements Agreed. units of 10, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, any, any closing anyway. thoughts on this? Anything funny you have to, to add there, Mr. Hepler? <laughs> I, I wish. No, just funny looking. That's all. <laughs> Matt, anything closing on this? No, I mean, I think that uh, I think that there's uh, the history behind it is super interesting, and uh, and I think that that's you know one of the fun parts about it is like <clears throat> you know having these really odd measurement things, and it's all based on. There was some king in England or whatever, and I think he he changed all the measurements mm-hmm. and to, to make them all based on his body parts at oh, one point. Geez. I mean, there's just like crazy history <laughs> with the history of measurements and even, you know, the meter being slightly off from what they wanted it to be. I find that history part pretty interesting. So, um, you know, read your history books, people, and try to remember it better than I do. Okay, so here's a couple pros of the imperial system that I just looked up. And sure. these are the three bullet points that came off from the top. Real quick, if you guys agree or disagree, and then um, we'll move on. I, right, I disagree to f- all of them. <laughs> Easy, it's easier to use fractions. Would you say that that's... Everything's 10-based, so I, I know what... Yes, no, we're talking sure. about. That's nice. No, we're talking about pros of the imperial system. Oh. Not the metric system. This is these are the Wait, three what? things that came up here. Yeah, it's easier to use fractions. So we're talking about measurements. If you're using fractions like five and three eighths, they're saying that that's easier to use than saying you know fifty six units of whatever measurement. Okay. Do you guys agree with that? No, that's a questionable. I disagree. Advantage. Okay, all right, Google, you're zero for one. Uh, the second thing, it's easier way to understand height and weight using the imperial system, not the metric. Height, yes. Pounds of weight is a weird number. I mean, that's a weird thing, right? So yeah, I don't think that it's easier that way. So maybe 50% on that. Because, I mean, if, if you think of a foot and you're like, oh, this person's six foot tall, then you kind of, yeah, like it's a foot. You can easily reference that. 
as opposed to like, you know, meters, two and a half meters, as or opposed like to that. meters and being or like, well, meters. this is based on our planet size. So that's hard to figure out. I don't know. That's mm. my, that's my take on that. 50, 50, <laughs> Google on that one. Okay. And then the last one, most recipe measurements are empirical, which oh. is easier to understand than the metric system. I don't, I don't, that's ag- not I don't answer, agree with that. That's but. just like, you know, that's the way that you were born and raised and not born, but the way that you were raised and what you were raised to think and, and know and understand and comprehend. So, I mean, I could say the the exact opposite if we're talking metric. I feel like the way that they, I'm trying to remember my history on how they figured out what, like what a liter was, but I feel like it's something like with the weight of water or something like that. Like, like mm. it's like a liter is exactly um, some sort of cube volume of distance to the weight of water. I don't know. We should look that up. That'd be interesting. So I don't think that, I don't think that ounces are easier for cooking recipes or I don't know. Yeah. I can't see the cooking recipe answer being a good valid one there. Yeah. The first one that you said that you kind of agree on the, the measurement of like a foot is easier to understand. And here's to kind of see that. Yeah. Here's, it's an easier thing to I think wrap your head around. Yeah, so sure. if you're driving your big RV down the, the road and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you see a sign coming up saying max overhead and it says 4,267 millimeters max headroom versus 14 feet. I mean, I think 14 feet is probably an easier number to rationalize in your head, right? Well, they would do, but it, they, they would do it in meters. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that that was the, the thing that I, my mm-hmm. response to this little <clears throat> meme thing that I'm looking at here is they wouldn't do it in millimeters. They would do it in meters. Yeah. And then that makes it very close. Therefore, it, that, that could it'd go be like, way. It'd be like the same thing if they were like this, this, Overhead passes in inches. Just, yeah. Like, well, that's why would tricky. you do that? Yeah. That's that's a good one. Good <laughs> when, game uh, to play. when I when I rented the van in Europe, there was a sticker on the windshield that said, Your van is oh. I don't know, what was it? Three it is three and a half meters tall. Or no, not that. It was two and a half meters tall. So don't go under any bridge that is over two and a half meters. I'm losing my signal. They had, they had problems. Someone, someone, Did you get that? Someone yeah, made that mistake. That's a costly mistake to make. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, I think that's about that. The most ridiculous thing about all of this every single one of these imperial measurements are legally defined by the metric system. America is already using the metric system, and most of the population is oblivious to it. The U.S. government kept quietly inching towards metric, officially recognizing the meter and the kilogram as the fundamental standards of length and mass. So technically, our yard, our pound, our inch have all been officially defined relative to the meter and the kilogram. The scientific standards at the heart of the scientific community, you've got companies, they're metric, and you might have certain examples where other units are used in day-to-day life but where it counts america is metric uh, sorry if this was a, a boring thing it's just kind of a, a an interesting topic and i think that this actually could make for some good afterthought so if you um want to jump on facebook or instagram and uh jump into the comments on the post for this one and let us know your thoughts i think that could spark a little bit of interesting yeah, or let funny know, conversation let us know your thoughts and what's funny is like i have dove into the the reddits of this and looking oh at the, the the comments on there and there there's some pretty funny uh, conversations that are there to be had maybe we should have shared a little bit of that but anyway we'll move on and if you have anything to say we'll go back and revisit this if uh if you do have something to say 
Very cool. All right. Um, we're going to get into some, some next stuff here. Let's see here. Uh, ice cream sandwich. No, oh, not boy. ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> um, Quit swearing, Jake. Hold on a second the here. The phrase of the day is, shut up, Evan. Oh, Evan's not even here. I can't push right that here. one. That's the, that's the wrong one. <laughs> we we um, got to do back Oh, crap. This is rock talk. Rock talk. Oh, actually, we it's should get rock into rock talk. talk. <laughs> I bet you found some rocks since you've Lance been out in Arizona. Lance did. He did <laughs> find some rock talk. Some rocks. So let's talk about rocks real I quick, did. Lance. Okay. Yeah, I went back to the same site that we went to a year ago that had oh. all the very cool fire agates um, out west west of Phoenix, about an hour. And yeah, we spent a great day and found a whole bunch of really cool fire agates. Were you so, biking along looking for rocks or were you just like, do you have to be on your knees scouting around with a magnifying glass or what? Well, you you have to be pretty close to see them. They're not really all that big. So we found an area where there was fire agates and then Brandy and the dog searched for a couple hours while I rode for a couple hours and then and then I searched too. So Nice. Lance, you post up some of your rock counting stuff on TikTok. You have a TikTok account. Do you want to share that with everybody? Because he actually has posted up some cool stuff. (laughs) i got to get on your TikTok now. The ticks or the talks. I've I've had a few. It's just, I think it's just Dr. Hep. D-R-H-E-P-P, I think is my TikTok handle. I'm not even sure. I don't know how to use TikTok. How do you find people on here? Be careful. TikTok is a big, giant, sucking time hole if you... (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've watched some stuff on there. You've you've done a lot of uh, work on um, rocks on there. Are those your more popular videos that you've posted? Uh, Yeah, they have been. I have some cycling things on there, but uh, my rock ones have... My rock counting ones have actually been more popular. That's kind of funny. That's pretty cool. Go check that out if you want to see more about that. All right, now getting back to our regular scheduled program. Champ, Champ Bailey. I'm all about having fun. Champ Bailey. Champ is here. You got we some cocktails in you? Very good. Yeah, I need some cocktails. We had uh, we had some very good racing um, that happened this last weekend. There was a World Cup uh, cyclocross race in Spain, uh, in Benidorm, Spain. It was like near the coast. And... Um, uh, it was actually a very good race. It was warm for the first time uh, in Europe. It was like 60 degrees and sunny, so it was a fast, dry race. The big three all showed up. It was very fun racing to watch. And surprise, surprise, Matthew Vanderpool straight up beat Wout Van Aert right? in this race. Yeah, that, that is a surprise. Exactly. No joke, man. Some nicer weather, probably better course conditions, maybe. Yeah. Can you hear me? I'm, yeah. I'm, my my internet is sucking at the moment. So here you just fine. Um, uh, Vanderpool made a move on the last lap and got in front of uh, Wout before the the final corner, and that was just enough for him to beat him. Wout was winding up for a big sprint, but there was kind of a sharp corner coming into that last thing, and he just about splayed himself all over the barriers and he saved it with a pretty good move, but uh, Vanderpool beat him. So that's kind of exciting. It brings more intrigue to the world championships coming up. Yeah. I just said last week that I don't think that uh, Vanderpool has a chance, snowball's chance in hell of catching uh Walt right now. And they, he was going to beat him by over a minute. The, the champs, um, 
yeah, that didn't happen this weekend, but uh, champs are still yet to come. But this kind of made yes. me kind of want to backpedal a little bit, but I'm still going to stand my ground and say that Wild's going to come out and, and show some gears that aren't, uh, that we haven't seen yet. So that's, yeah, that's, that's quite possible. It will, it brings, it makes it much more interesting to watch that it really could be anybody's race. Interestingly enough, this was Tom Pidcock's last cyclocross race. He actually started very well, got a, great first and second lap and had the lead but then he actually faded to fifth huh so yeah he he kind of faded near the end so which was interesting uh the women's race was won by fem van empel and with puck peterisi uh being second place and uh sheeran van Anrouge. that's the name i was trying to think of last weekend that i couldn't think of off the top of my head, but gotcha. again, that was a fast, crazy race. Um, I think the American, um, the American man in was Curtis white. I think he did pretty well. Where is he looking? And now as I'm looking, I can't find him. Never mind. He was barely in the top 30 huh. and Clara, Clara Hansinger, it, something must have happened because she was in the 30s as well, like like 38th or something for the women's race. So that didn't go very well for yeah. her. So interesting. Um, there is another uh, World Cup race next week. Um, and then the week after that is the World Championships. So that should be interesting to see how that goes. Um, also in racing, we finished the tour down under. Um, and the racing was actually ended up being quite good. And I don't know if this is a surprise or not, but Jay Vine ended up winning the overall classification in wow. the whole race. So Jay Vine is racing for UAE uh, this year. If you remember, he's the guy who won like the Zwift Academy and got a contract. And then he ended up winning a tour stage last year. And now he's on UAE with, um, with, uh, with Pogaccia, Pogaccia yep. but I think they're going to do different races. I think that, uh, Pogaccia is going to be doing the tour and they're going to have Jay Vine do something else. Uh, but that should be interesting to see what kind of happens with those. Where so, is Jay Vine from? What, he's what Australian. He, Australian. Okay. He, yeah, he is from Australia. So it was good for him to be down there and he did really well. Actually, who else did really good in the overall? Um, who was second? It was um, why can't I think of his name? The, the guy that won the last stage. Oh, Simon um, Yates. Yeah, Simon Yates. Gotcha. Um, he he raced really well too, and Caleb Ewing actually um, raced really well as well. He he went down there without a team because wow. he is on he's on Lotto Sadal. And Lotto Sadal got relegated last year, um, which means that they'll still go to all the Grand Tours, but they're not required to go to all the Grand Tours, mm-hmm. uh, being relegated. And so him being, um, you know, one of the best sprinters, they were, and he wanted to go showcase for Australia because yep. he's Australian. Because Caleb Ewan is from Australia, yeah. And so, and he went down there. They had like a crit the day before, and he smoked the whole field. He won the crit. You know, so I wonder if he's going to be a favorite for some green jersey points and some, I some sprint. I think so. I mean, he seems like he's 
He's feeling there. pretty good now. He's one of those like little cagey guys, and he's can get hurt. squirrely a little yeah. bit. And he seems like he always finds himself going down and ends up leaving the the, the race, the the tour yep. altogether, or he ends up hurting himself and he's not able to contend. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Did you happen to catch? Do you, do you guys ever watch uh, Cam Nichols on YouTube? He's got a. Um, a cycling YouTube page and he, it's pretty well done. And yeah, he's a big BMC guy too, which is kind of cool, yeah. but he did a, a ride recently, one of their little hot mm-hmm. rides that they do. And Caleb Ewing showed up to it and Caleb was like kind enough to say, yeah, it's cool if you videotape me and put it up on YouTube and whatnot. Nice. And just kind of funny seeing how strong he was against some guys that are good local guys, strong guys, but just they're mere mortals oh, compared right. to I mean, you know, Caleb when he so wants to get after it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I know that YouTube That's channel. Fun. I don't follow it anymore, but it's a, he's he seems really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't watch all of his videos, but I'll, I'll watch a few of them mm-hmm. when he's got some stuff to say. Um, yep. Pretty well done. But yep. Um, going back to the the tour though of Down Under, um, any other notables that you can think of, Lance, in terms of the overall GC finish? Um, no, there weren't real. How I mean, about there wasn't a lot. Just missing the podium. Um, American Magnus Sheffield coming in fourth place. He was fourth overall in GC. Broke up on so me. I missed it. Magnus Sheffield, American Magnus Sheffield from oh, yeah. Ineos came in fourth place. Just missed the podium, but I, I don't know. I thought that he's, was kind of cool. He, he, he's still like twenty three or twenty two years old. He's still very young. Correct. I wonder what so he's going to do this summer. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Will he be at the tour? Probably not. But well, in support, maybe. I don't know. But he, know. He, he's going to be interesting to watch when yeah. we get to the classics um, this spring. So it can be fun to watch. It'll be fun spring. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, there wasn't really other any other big names in the no. the top ten that are going to be like you know movers and shakers this year. But that was pretty cool to see Jay Vine coming off of uh you Do know that. his mm-hmm. his whiffed prowess to the. This morning was also the uh, the first stage of the Tour de San Juan in Argentina, mm-hmm. and um, and Sam Bennett. It, it was kind of it was a sprinter stage. It all came back together at the end, and Sam Bennett he had just a fantastic lead out by his teammate, and man, he just kind of looked unstoppable. So it's good early season results for Sam Bennett. Already. Who's he with so this year? I know that he obviously left um, Bora. He's with Bora now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was having some issues. He wasn't getting along with, uh, with quick step back in the day. So it's interesting to see that, um, you know, he's back and riding strong. I'm just curious to what his, uh, his demeanor is with his current team. And if he's got a big head on his shoulder still. Yeah. Yeah. It should be interesting. But if he's looking strong in that, um, he's he's another reason why Cavendish is going to have a hard time winning stages. So if you've got uh, him and yes. if, like if Caleb's looking strong and you know that Wout's going to potentially be back in there and if Vanderpool wants yes. to come and mix it up and there's probably a half dozen other strong sprinters out there. Again, not not one to talk about Captain Asshat, but uh, yeah, that's just more reasons to think that he's not going to have that opportunity. We'll see how it plays out. True story. It's going to be fun. Didn't wasn't there something with um Van, uh, Evan Pohl, like whining about the the finish being dicey or scary or unsafe or something like that? There was a there was a nasty corner right before the final last seven hundred meters, and yeah, it was it was a little dicey, and so Evan Pohl mentioned it. Yeah, like he does. So. <laughs> All right, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Camp out. Camp out. Anything going on? Running, triathlon. 
Um, I don't think there's a huge triathlon news. I think a couple of weeks ago, this is old news now, Ironman did end up um, choosing to split the Ironman World Championships women's, the women's race is going to be in Kona. The men's race, they, you know, they were like, we don't know where it's going to be, but all the rumors were pointing towards um, Nice, France, and then they did announce that it was going to be in Nice, France. Gotcha. So, yeah. I, That'll be fun. Via text, I talked with Mark Radford yesterday. Okay. He is at some training camp down in Arizona with a bunch of like Pros. big name pro names down there training and cool. whatnot. Do you know anything about that? I didn't really get a chance to go back and forth with him too much, but I don't. I have no idea which training camp he's at. Um, I feel like the, you know, there used to be like one where Heather Jackson used to go to you know, like, or be a part of this, like, training camp. Sure. So it might be that group, but, yeah, that would be fun. Okay. Hopefully he's having some decent weather. might be cold, right? Is he, He's probably in Tucson. Maybe, yeah, and, but it's uh, dry, so, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all the pools are outdoor there, so it could be a little cold. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, skip that stuff. Just ride your bike. Just ride. <laughs> awesome. Let's, uh, let's move this thing into the one last thing. I was going to do a Patreon drawing this week, but I don't have our little Patreon can. Um, okay. We'll do it next time. I, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. I, I'm still going to do a Patreon drawing. It's just not uh, going to be live on the air. And I'm going to put it in the the notes of, um, well, not in the show. Maybe I will put it in the show notes, but it'll be up on the Instagram post because we post up the thumbnail that we do for okay. every week. And then maybe I'll put that there and uh, let somebody be a winner of something kind of cool. Check the Instagram, people. We just added a bunch of new stuff to the, the giveaway bin. So there's oh. going to be some cool things in there. Cool. Let's jump into one last thing, Matt Legrand. You always get to go first. Or do you want to? Or do you want to backpedal, Jake? You got nothing to share. Oh, I guess my life is so boring that I have nothing to it, backpedal. Backpedal. <laughs> Should we like save the backpedal for last? <laughs> Just kidding. Lance, you want to backpedal? <laughs> oh, I'm the worst. I really am. <laughs> I, my backpedal is pretty boring. I've been on Zwift. I'm doing that Zwift tour to Zwift thing. I think I've done maybe five of those tour to Zwift things. It's, I don't know, it's something. This has been Jake Sucks as a podcast host. Podcast host. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Tour to Swift. Yeah, it's a thing. Sunny People, days. Do you want a Ford pedal? What are you going to, are you going to ride your bike outside this week, Matt? I'm going to ride my bike outside. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's, well, I'm not going to say that I won't Zwift on a sunny day, but because, you know, sometimes the day gets away from you and it's dark before you can actually get out on the this road. That's true. Which today is going to end up, this is exactly what's going to happen today, probably, but we'll see. Yeah. Cool. All right, Lance, you want to backpedal? Got anything, Lance? Um, yeah, I did Rock manage top. to do another twenty-hour week, which was oh, that's good. which was uh, kind of exciting for me. That I'm and I'm still feeling really quite good. I even did a century another uh, one day um, last week. Uh, it was kind of a calm day, and it wasn't too bad. As I rode all the way up to Scottsdale and all the way up to Carefree and back down into Mesa. And so that was kind of a fantastic day, but uh, wow. yeah. And then I went looking for rocks and then I'm just kind of trying to stick to my uh, workouts and I've been doing interval sessions on almost every ride except for my endurance rides. So it's been it's progressing. How good are you job. like, how are you liking the roads down there? Road quality good. And then the other question is, is how yes. are the drivers? Um, Mesa, when it, when it was the city planners made big wide roads so almost every road has a big shoulder and so and and the places where people mostly ride um are, are not very busy with big wide shoulders with a bike lane so yeah i've had i've had no driver issues the road yeah i've 
that's just been huge. in good shape. I that's huge. yeah. So it makes it nice to ride. The the road structure is good here. Very good. good. Looking forward to that. We're what four no about five weeks out ish from our training camp. Some six yeah, me- weeks maybe. It's beginning big beginning of March. So I think it's six Fourth, weeks. Yeah. Yep. So man, I got some work to do. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Nope. Nope. All right. My uh back pedal is hold on a second here. Sorry, I just sent somebody to voicemail. Um, my back pedal is that I rode on the trainer for just shy of nine hours last week. Nine so, hours? It's good. Well, actually, one day was uh, a holiday, and I did ride outside, but we already talked about that last week. Um, but, yeah. But still, you're hours. getting some good good hours then. Yeah. How's the hip feel? Um, okay. okay. <laughs> I uh, We did a, a team ride on Thursday night again, and the course that was chosen had um, – a long climb in it, which wasn't that big of a deal, but then there was one short climb that took about anywhere from a minute and a half to a minute and 15, depending on how hard you were going. If you wanted to stay with a group, and like we're supposed to like be mining certain watts per kilogram, but mm-hmm. whenever you get a group of competitive guys together, it never stays there. Next thing you know, there was a couple times that I was like holding six, seven, 800 watts to get up this Ouch. climb to keep up with the group. And finally, I just said, I'm going to let them go because, uh, yeah, that wasn't feeling 100%. And I was really tight the next day which kind of sucked and thankfully went to acupuncture and massage she's kind of like does a little bit of like physical therapy massage and then finishes with the acupuncture and that helped it a little bit and then i did a ton of yard work this past weekend and that didn't help things so what was supposed to be a 10-hour week i just kind of like capped it i think it was like 840 or 845 or something like that so it was all right um but we'll get back to it this week and hopefully this will be the week that i can get it up to 10 hours so and we should have some decent weather so the the plan is yes get outside yeah okay sounds good yeah Hey, remember that that one last thing stuff? One last thing. Remember that one time that one yeah. that one podcast where I got after the one last thing a little too soon? God, what an idiot! <laughs> yeah. I think it might be time to to revisit one last thing. I uh, posted a video this week, like every week, and I posted and I kind of mentioned this in a podcast, roughly talking about this Apple feature called race routes, and that's exactly what I made a video about. Not necessarily the nicest video to the Apple Watch feature because it's not for racing and it's not good at routing. It's called <laughs> it's called race routes. And I think my main beef my main beef with it is just the name of it, right? Like just don't call it race routes because you're racing yourself or you're trying to better your times for yourself. It doesn't help you with routing that much. It is a cool feature. I do use it. Um but I do think that Apple could use some sort of race navigation stuff like, hey, import the race route that you want to do and we'll sh- make sure you stay on course. That would be helpful for people. So, so if they offered that feature and called it something else, so yeah. in essence, just a game of semantics here, would you have been okay with it? Would you yeah. think it's a good feature? So if they it's, called it like... It's, it's not a bad feature. It's fine. Beat yourself. Beat yourself. That, that, That's why it's in the video. I'm like... That could be bad. But anyway... <laughs> there was a... Um, I think that... The, People throughout like Ghost Runner, where you're like, I mean, there's things yeah. that are like this. This is Apple's not the only person to have a you know feature like this. Strava has their like racing yourself piece. You know how they have yeah. the new like invisible kind of guy or whatever your previous and that stuff works, right? Like you yeah. want to beat your previous time on sure. some sort of sprint or whatever. It is so it's good. It's a good feature. It's a good thing to have. I just don't think it should have been called race routes necessarily. So they screwed up naming it. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. They can do whatever. It's <laughs> I almost kind of think in some ways I'm like, well, this is a stupid video just to kind of make a video complaining about the naming of this. What feature. watches are you wearing today, Matt? Garmin nine fifty five 
and I've been wearing this watch for about six months, which means the next video that's going to come out is the Garmin 955 after six month review. Cool. So is that the solar or the non-solar? This is the non-solar. Non-solar. And your review of that is still favorable? It's very good. Yeah, gotcha. it is very good. Yeah, I will... I will be posting a video this week, hopefully in the next couple of days with this, you know, how's it held up over six months. Sure. And basically there's not a huge problem. I don't have a ton of problems with it. They had some bugs and they had some issues, but they've, you know, Garmin, they'll iterate on the software and yeah. they kind of roll through, they get through some of those bugs. And I think it usually does take them three months or so of iterating on bugs to kind of get things solid. And gotcha. it's been solid lately. Any more updates? We kind of talked about some of the ECG stuff last week. Have you had any more right. information come down the pipeline as to no. what watches might actually see that? Because they did mention that there are some current watches that they that should might be able to be integrated so in there. They had their medical the FDA approval for ECGs or EKGs of like on watch based stuff, which is what Apple does. They have yeah. that same thing with their watch. And so um, it's a good concept. I mean, our we have a friend of the podcast, David Goodman, who checked his Apple watch and was having an, an arrhythmia, arrhythmia yep. with his heart. And, you know, not to say that it like saved his life or anything, but it definitely helped diagnose the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, it prompted him to go see a doctor yep. as opposed to just not doing anything yep. about it all. And who knows Time how to go to the hospital, yeah. right? So, uh, Garmin will have this feature. It's all been approved. I'm guessing it's just going to be kind of like current, you know, current watches. Yeah. So that's, this is just, I have no idea. I have no insider information, but I'm guessing it's like, if you have even the baseline, you know, Garmin 255, 955, all the Phoenix watches, Epic's watch, um, Garmin Enduro 2, the Tactics watch, I'm guessing all of those like Series 7 mm-hmm. Phoenix watches and, and above, I'm guessing all of those will get the ECG, EKG feature. Gotcha. Yeah. So, the article that I read about it said it's select, but they didn't say which ones. I'm yep. guessing that a lot of them carry similar um, pieces of hardware inside there that right. it, That's that would be go. exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. It'll be very interesting. And so I don't expect it to go back super far. So if you don't, if you haven't bought a Garmin watch in the past year, uh-huh. I'm guessing you won't get this feature, but just don't go having, you know, heart problems. There just you go. stay healthy, yeah. people. Just do it. <laughs> yep. One last thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I have anything. And one last thing, there is a mountain bike race here in the in the Phoenix area this uh, weekend. Um, short track on Saturday and XEO on Sunday. And I'm kind of deciding whether I want to go uh, throw in and race my bike. What, but, is, what um, is your training plan? I haven't say? decided yet. It does. It it's, it does not fit into the training plan at all. Mm. But <laughs> who sanctions the race? Is it um, USAC or is it a different body? Um, I don't know. It's called the Arizona Classic Mountain Bike. Um, it's called the Mountain Bike Classic of Arizona. So I don't know. It looks like sign up is through uh, race result. So I don't know who it's sanctioned by. Gotcha. Just yeah, local race. So you're going to do it then, right? Yeah, he'll do it. I don't know. I might. We'll see. I'm excited. <laughs> that means he'll do it. Is the top end feeling good? Yeah, it doesn't feel too bad, but I'm, you know, better than I thought. I haven't done a lot of top end work. It's been mostly threshold and sweet spot work, not a lot of top end stuff. I've done a little bit of VO2, but nothing over VO2. So I don't really have much of a top end, but, you know, that's what early season racing is for. So. <laughs> Awesome. All right. My one last thing. God, I've, I've gone back and forth on this. I've got two one last things. Um, 
but I'm not sure. Which one do you guys want to hear about? Do you want to hear my one last thing about Wahoo or one last thing about Obra? Uh, Wahoo. Wahoo? All right. Wahoo, I'm... I, I kind of feel bad for that company right now. They yeah. they are. I mean, I don't think that it's going to be a situation where they're going to go away, but I have a sneaking suspicion that there's going to be a lot of change coming down the pipeline for them. They have like a bad debt thing or something. Yeah, they're they're saying that their business model currently isn't sustainable, um, uh. and I think it, a lot of it has to do with you know just what's going on in the state of the world, and yeah. you know they're they're trying to push and be innovative to a certain degree, but I think they may have bitten off a little bit more than they could chew in hopes that things were going to go a different direction, and then now we're sitting in a situation where they're their debt rating or their just overall company rating is like kind of risky right now. Yeah. And you know, there's some people, some pundits that are speculating that maybe there might be some, you know, um, possible bankruptcy following, following, following just so they can reorganize the company. I don't think it's gonna be a situation where they go away. I don't think that that's where they're going to get. I just, I don't want to see them have to lose people because I've gotten to know quite a few people at that, that company and they're, they're great, great folks. I hate, I hate to break it to you. That's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to lay off a significant percentage, right? Yeah. Like it's just going to be, might not be, it might be like 10% of the yeah. workforce, but that's I, like, that's going around everywhere. Yeah, I, I just think that they make a, a fine quality yeah. product. Yep. And I, I really quite enjoy the people that I've worked with over there. And it seems like it's a good ecosystem and there's a lot of potential there, but in the same breath, um, you know, maybe this could be a good thing. If they hired you as, go. if they hired you a CEO right now, what changes would you make? Me as a CEO, what changes would I make? Like um, immediately, like, we got we got to trim some fat. What are we gonna do? Um, I you got to go back and you well from trimming fat. <sighs> That's a good question. I'd love to see their books, see where they're they're right. spending a ton of money right now. But I think in the beginning you've you've got to just start with the, the basic no brainers. Yep. You got to get rid of athletes that maybe you're on payroll that sure. aren't doing too much. And you know I hate to say like Ian Boswell. I don't know exactly how much more he's doing from them from a marketing perspective or if he's right. just a good face. But you. Want to see him stick around because he's a great guy. We had him mm-hmm. on the podcast. We love him. But yeah, if like they've him. got a bunch of athletes, then that's probably somewhere where you're going to have to stop. Um, the, the next thing I would suggest is like your kicker is your flagship device. That's yep. what puts you on the map, and that's what you've done. How much has that device changed in the last five or five years? From right. from minimal changes. Yeah, from version four to version six, like we haven't seen any like astronomical big changes. And that, um, and that is probably their flagship product, and you got to. You got to figure the people that are going to buy those big expensive bike trainers have yeah. already done it. Yeah, and the industry is becoming more and more saturated with yeah. more and more people offering stuff at, at lower prices, and so yeah, you got to you have to innovate there, or you have to figure something else out to to make it more of a, a desirable device. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I were having a conversation about the kicker bike, and I think that there's a lot of room for an improvement on that device. I think yeah. that's a fantastic device. I still think it was a miss, or a, I, I think it's probably the best of all of the the bikes on the market, but mm. it was a miss when they raised the price 500 bucks and really didn't offer you too much more in terms of like what this value is going to be. Like if you sat a kicker V1 next to a kicker V2 and right. like just blindfold test them, you're not going to notice a big difference right. between the two. Yes, there are going to be some things with respect to the waifu, fi future proofing it, especially redoing the racing and right. some of that erg smoothing stuff is kind of nice, but there wasn't like a it's not huge mark difference. And and when they blew those things out and they were having sales and like you were seeing these these kicker version one bikes for sale on their website for like twenty one hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they've got a version two on there that's four thousand dollars now. It's like all right. there's not a huge difference between these so why what's going on so they could justify that price though and and you made a a good point and it was something that i've thought of before too is in that 
if you make all of the adjustments electronic, yeah, whereas you're not having ma- manual, like having to flip a lever and adjust something and flip the lever back to lock in place versus like your car seat in your car. Yep, like exactly. if you and your wife share a car and there's setting one and setting two, you push a button and it goes right where you want it to yeah. go. That'd be fantastic. Or if you need to do like micro adjustments while you're actually riding the bike to work with your fit. Yeah, have that be electric. That'd be fantastic. If you had those two options, I think that you might sell some more bikes. I imagine that that's fairly difficult to do because those are motors, you know, for each of those little pieces. Okay. But they, they do it in cars and it, yes, it's going to be expensive, but... This is an expensive product. It's yeah. a premium product. Yep. And I think you'll see a lot of people justify that purchase because they'll be like, this is for me and my wife. Uh-huh. That's twice the bike yeah. for, you know, yeah. the same amount of space that's taking up in the your house. The only hang up on that is if you guys want to ride together, well, you, yeah. you know, maybe they have a tandem attachment or something like that. that you can tandem. <laughs> they, they need a tandem attachment for there sure. You that's that's in, where you're going to sell bikes. Indoor, yeah. All indoor bikes need to be tandem, please. <laughs> Make that happen, Wahoo. You know, it, I, I think that they've got a good thing going with RGT. There are mm-hmm. still a ton of people on Zwift, and we've switched over all of our rides that we do on Tuesdays and Thursdays through dialed cycling to RGT. And um, we've got more people that are coming over, but our numbers aren't near what they used to be. And there's a lot of people that just don't want to do it, even though we had, like, Wahoo gave us these discount codes for three months for free to use the whole Wahoo X system, which is a pretty fantastic platform. Very good system. The, the, a lot of folks just didn't want to do it for one reason or another. And there are some little quirky things in RGT that I would love to see changed, but if they could kind of innovate on that front, and I always say this and you shake your head and say, it's probably not going to happen, but if they could somehow some way work with Google street maps or Google maps to get those, Routes that you upload to look like the actual routes, even right. if it was just like loosely close to it, um, that would be fantastic. I, I'm sure that that's not going to happen. But yeah, um, you just got to think like a you know software engineer. Like yeah, okay, there's major hurdle problems yeah. to to do that. So, but even if it and, and I was talking with a friend of ours on the team, David Barna, even if it was something where they came to me and said, hey. That's fine. We can do that. But if you want to make that work um, for the GPS file that you're uploading, is going to cost you X dollars, but then it gets to live in your library. I'd gladly pay. Like if I could set up a, a training route that, that I wanted to do and have it be the Google Street View and have it be, you know, five to 20 bucks or something like that, I would pay for that to, to live in my, my database of rides that I can do. And if there was some sort of way that I could share that with other people, that would be even better. Like yeah. imagine if we could do virtual flogging routes and um, have everybody be join us and they it. can yeah. see it. And then if somebody else wanted to host a ride, then somehow we can share like maybe like the way we share routes on Strava, but let the end user foot the bill for some of that. If it were to work that way, I, I don't know. I, I, that could be a big yeah. selling point though. Sure. It'll be a huge selling point. I just think it's, it's an it's a difficult engineering hurdle. Sure. So, yeah, maybe at some point in time, I'm sure that they could do it if they really want to. But I just don't think that it's going to be uh, cost effective for them. Yeah, and I, I I'm with you. I just think if if I'm the new Wahoo CEO, you double just like you said, like double down on kind of like what's worked, which is like yeah. kicker. And I think by computers. By computers, yeah. I'd and probably I probably scrapping that watch. The I would rival sc- watch. totally scrap the watch. So I wouldn't. And I know that they probably have a new watch coming out soon, which is who knows? Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't do that. I mean, yeah. I could see them starting to make some major changes. Usually, when something like this happens, they start to make major changes at the top. And yeah, that's like a new plan for Wahoo. So. Yeah. Um, and I would I would give away a year of Wahoo X with every kicker purchase, a whole year. That's a fantastic idea. Because then you're getting more people on RGT, you're getting to fill that out a yeah. little bit, and then you're also like, 
you're you get them kind of hooked on it, right? This yeah. is like the the drug pusher, like Lance. He's like a drug pusher. He's like, let's get you first one free. First one's free, guys. First one's free. Yeah. So, so you get that, and then they're they're gonna pay the next. Yeah, year. and I I do think that more people need to go check out RGT. I think it's a good platform. It's not quite as diverse as Zwift in terms yeah. of all of the different lands and the routes and all that yep. other stuff. And Zwift is a pretty refined machine. It's got its little quirky hangups and whatnot. But yeah, it's good. Um, I think that RGT for you know. For when you compare dollar for dollar, what you get for Wahoo X versus just paying for a Zwift, I think that that's a better value. That's just my two cents. But all of the people are on on Zwift. I mean, when I jumped on my trainer ride yesterday, that only lasted for thirty minutes because I was absolutely zapped. Before I actually chose a land to ride in, you can look and see all of the different ones, and you can see how many people are in right. those lands. The most populated one was the Borrego Springs because it's a very flat route, and there was 32 people riding at a, on a Sunday. Brutal. Granted, it was in the afternoon and evening-ish, but... What would it be on Zwift? It would be... Like, if you looked at the the Tempest Future or TikTok or one of those flatter ones, it's going to be hundreds of people, if not thousands right, of people. Thousands, yeah. Uh, there is a difference there, and it's kind of funny because they do litter it with bots, so there's bots all over the place, yeah. which is fine and well... But you know they're bots. Um, but yeah, you know they're bots. It says that they're bots. And you see the people on there. So you're always like trying to race up to catch up to the people. Like, I know that we're not talking to each other. And I know that um, you're just on there doing a workout. But there's just something to be said about, yeah, I'm riding with somebody else sure. who's actually a human. I so, agree. And yeah, there's that. So anyway, that's just my two cents. I really hope that Wahoo can get their, their stuff sorted out. Because as a company, I quite like them. And I, I want them I to like be them successful. Too. And I've really enjoyed carrying their products. I've enjoyed getting to know people um, at that organization. And I want to see them continue to be successful. So That was your first one last thing. What was your second one? Obra? Obra. I'm disappointed in them. <laughs> but, what, what's but going on? They had their annual meeting this past weekend where... They vote on new rule changes. They elect two new board members and all okay. that other fun stuff. That that wasn't the part that I was uh, disappointed in. Um, they're going to do what they're going to do. And the fact that they do have the ability for the membership to actually show up and to be a part of that voting process, I think, is a good thing because you can mm. actually start to affect change if you can actually get people involved and get people there to vote. That That's good for the, the, the organization as a whole and not have it be some unilateral decision made by executive yep. directors or board of directors that, that this is what we think is going to be good for the people so the people can actually have a say in it that's a good thing and the 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 board of directors um they always cycle out two and and will elect two new ones um every year uh, for a total member board member group of i think it's six plus i think three at large ones that can be appointed but anyway that's good too because then the people a part of the organization can be a part of this decision making process and, and helping um the, the organization run as all. Well. Anyway, that's not what I was disappointed in. We had the awards party afterwards, and that's where they celebrate the best all-around writer. And I think we had um, one this year, one person from the team that was a, a bar winner, which was kind of low for for us. Um, Whitney, um, our little oh, stud. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, she was the, the, the bar winner for her category. I know that Chris Surratt was there. I think he was just there because he's a fixture at that place. He generally wins a bar competition, but I don't yeah. think he won. Um, but the thing that I was most proud of of our team this past year is they show up, they go out, they race, and our team is always putting numbers out there with respect to volunteering, to showing it to races. And just as a whole, I think our team, got, I, I haven't looked in the last year or two, but in, in years past, we've raced probably two to three X more than the next closest team. So we'll send out that much, that 
much it, more people out there to, to show up and register yeah. for all the races when it you add up all the it helps that we're bigger. Yeah. And, a lot you know, of teams. and we, you know, we don't expect every single team to have those numbers or to thrive to be big sure. or strive to be big, but, you know, just getting people out there, we're, we're doing it. And it's everything from your brand new novice cap five and juniors to, you know, like some pretty high level cyclists and we cover the whole spectrum. So this year, no different than others. We wanted to go out there and compete for the team bar competition, sure. which is the best all around team. And it's based on how people on your team finish and how they can collect points based on where they finish in the top 50. And we have always made that a goal. Every single year is a goal to go out and win the team competition because if our team is doing good, we know that individuals are doing good and individuals are going to go out and race so that they can do well for the team. Well, anyway, they put out the, the list and um, they and this was a week ahead of time and they gave the list of all the people that are going to win the bar competition. Make sure you show up to the, the party to get yeah. your awards. And on that list, there was no mention of a team. And in the email, there was no mention of a team um, winning the bar competition. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And that's one of my things that I've always been hung up with on Obra is that they do not do a good job at all with respect to their teams. Mm. They do not promote this competition. They do not promote the teams other than at the very beginning of the year saying, hey, teams, if you want to be a part of this team competition and be in our registry of teams, give us $150 and we'll, we'll put you there and make you be a part of that, that competition right. and then you'll show up in the bar, uh, the bar competition. All right, that's fine. And well, I, I don't think that it's worth $150 based on what they do, but um, you know, we're going to do it because we want to, you know, compete for that, that competition, that, that title. Yeah. And then we don't hear from Obra again about the team bar competition until the very end of the year at this awards party. So you have to be there. It's kind of just a tiny little footnote in the end of things. And they hand you an award and say, good job for winning the team competition. They, it could be so much more. But at the end of the day, it's still important to us. We still want to go out there and we want to do our best and we want to win this competition. So we, uh, this year, won it for the fourth time in a row. Right. Ne never happened before. First time ever. And there's no mention of it in that pre-email. There was no mention of it in that awards winner list. And then the actual ceremony, they didn't mention it because they said, um, we have no way of determining whether you guys actually won or not. The, the, the results are missing. So their whole database supposedly got erased. And so there's... Just be like, uh, well, then give us our $150 back. back exactly. But I actually had a screenshot of it because Chris Ratt was the one that informed yeah. me of this. And I sent him the screenshot. I'm like, hey, this is from uh, December 2nd after the whole season was over. This shows the points, um, you know, but it's neither here nor there. This is just, again, over being over. And it's a, it's a disappointment um, that there was no mention of it. It's a disappointment that they couldn't allocate some time or energy or resources to figuring this out ahead of time. And you would think that a team that sends out this many people to go to races and is trying to do a bunch of stuff for the community and is always out volunteering and always out trying to to put our best foot forward in the race scene um that they would you know, think that that's a kind of a priority or something it that shouldn't, they, they it, need sh to it shouldn't matter if our team is putting out volunteer hours or i mean i'm glad i think that's a good thing we should do it i don't think that it should matter for this team competition unless it doesn't. unless it's in the rules. It's not in the rules, but I'm my my point was it's not like we're some asshat team that that's going out there and you know belittling people and being arrogant or elitist and all sure. that stuff. We're very welcoming and we're we're trying to bring more people to sport. We're trying to grow the sport. Arkansas used to beat the snot out of Alabama every cross country race. Yep, and I it doesn't matter if they were nice about it or arrogant about it or volunteered a whole bunch. Like they just beat us. Yeah, they were there. They always won. They, and and it was not fun, but yeah. guess what? That's competition for you. Yeah. Like if you're not going to be in part of if you if you don't have a competition, like don't have the competition. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I wonder if that's the way Ober's thinking. If they're thinking like we're killing this, this is not going to be around next know. year. And I I don't know if it's something. Well, you know, th- here they go. They won again. You know, they 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 well, just sure send a lot of people out to race and like. <laughs> if you if you're gonna have that kind of opinion, then yeah, don't have that competition. Right, you know? change the rules or yeah. whatever they need to yeah. do. But I mean, yeah, they set weird. up the rules, and we go out there and we play by the rules, and, yeah. and and that's how it is. And we do it gracefully, and we you know yep. try and encourage more people to come out and race. And that's how you get more people to come out and race. And they yeah. could, you've got teams full of competitive people on, and these teams want to win. They want their you know if they've got sponsors, they want to do what's best for their sponsors and get them a little right. bit of you know notoriety. And they want their team to do well. They want the racers to do well. And they're all like doing all this stuff. So you've got all these teams with these competitive people. Put the teams against each other yeah. in a fun, competitive, spirited um, competition sure. that you kind of make something out of. And that could actually... Uh, I don't know, spur more people to come yeah. out and race. And all of a sudden team X, Y, and Z are like, Hey, let's get in on this because this is what's on the line. You know, we want to have, and, and there's a lot of different ways to do team competitions. So sure. they could make some changes if they need yeah. to. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. But anyway, the bottom line is, it just kind of sucks that four years in a row and they just completely screwed the pooch on this one. So that's just my two cents, but who am I? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the diatribe there, but you asked. Yeah, no, no, no. I am, I am curious. I worry about Obra. I sometimes worry, like, uh oh, road cycling is dying. Obra is, you know, not looking good. The WSBA calendar looks pretty strong and healthy for road racing this year. So they need more races down south. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, but that's they, a whole nother conversation. Yep, it is. <laughs> All right, I think that's about it. Lance, you got anything else to say? You've been kind of quiet over there. I just, I didn't know that that whole team competition thing took a dive. That's really disappointing to hear from Obra. So that's too bad. Way to end on a downer note, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, Jake, thanks. Hey, I don't know. It started on a downer note, ended on a downer note. Again, breaking news, Jake is a terrible podcast host. (laughs) All right. We will be back next week with another one of these. Thank you for listening. And until then, bye for now.